This episode of Hundy Camp Down Under is brought to you by Ridgeline. Ridgeline have just released their new performance range, featuring brand new styles and high performance fabrics for winter 2020. One of the highlights is the new Ascent Jacket for men and women. The new Ascent Soft Shell Jacket is designed for use as a performance layering piece and has been rigorously tested in the South Island of New Zealand. The new Ridgeline performance range features a new Realtree Escape camouflage print. It fits into the environment you hunt in and the colours appear to adapt to the terrain. All the new gear is available in Australia and New Zealand and for your local stockist, check out the website www.ridgelineclothing.com.au This episode is proudly brought to you by Zeiss Optics. The legendary Zeiss binoculars are founded on exceptional optical performance, outstanding ergonomics and robust construction. Zeiss innovations have constantly expanded the limits of what's technically possible. Generations of hunters and shooters swear by their Zeiss binoculars, being heirloom quality products that are passed down from generation to generation, together with the stories that came with them. Experience the Zeiss Victory SF, the most versatile premium binoculars in the company's 165-year history. Find your local stockist at www.osaustralia.com.au. With the crazy world we live in today, many of us seek the adventure of the unknown. Join us everyday Aussies from all walks of life share stories from men and women of all hunting camps. From tips and techniques to the emotional rollercoaster ride of fulfilling a lifelong dream, there is a story to be told by all. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. All right. Make it. Jordan and Casey, let's rip into this. We've been talking shit for ages, so <laughs> welcome, boys. Jordan Casey, yeah. uh, we are the draw in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. Welcome, boys. Thank you very much for having us, Craig. Nah, more than welcome, more than welcome. So, Jordan and I have we've stayed in touch for quite some time now. Um, we are the draw is an application hunting service uh, in the United States covering everything. I don't think you've missed much, do you? Everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as a lot of people know that I've got a, yeah, okay, well, I'm addicted to the shit over there. So with elk and things like that. So I wanted the boys to jump on today and, and really sort of uh, obviously one, you know, push what we are, the, we are the draw is about. And, um, and also sort of, you know, I want you to go through sort of what, what you guys can offer, you know, Aussies looking to either come and, hunt in America or, or plan to hunt in a few years' time. So um, introduce yourself, guys. Yeah, definitely. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, especially when we're looking at the Western United States as a general rule, Craig, um, the idea of submitting these applications uh, and accruing points and or simply just drawing the tag, be it uh, somebody from the Midwest or the East Coast in the U.S. or being at somebody from abroad, uh, the, the, the concept and then definitely the nuts and bolts of it are, are very mysterious even. Yep. It's, it's just like, how do, you, how do you even make sense of that and where would you even start uh, if, you were, if you were going to, to plan on coming? And so I find that lots of guys... Um, unfortunately just kind of default to uh more of a pay-to-play situation be it landowner permits or vouchers or things of that nature 
and and as you're aware, I mean, some of the, the the cost of these types of opportunities just continues to go up and up and up every yeah. year. Uh, to where, I mean, it, it, there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, for some upper age class animals that are now well over ten, fifteen thousand dollars, and that's not a guided hunt. That's not private land access. That's just your chance to go in public land hunting and foregoing the draw processes so it's it's super expensive and it doesn't seem to be showing any signs of slowing down at all uh and that's where the the application process can really uh mellow uh, calm the storm so to speak with those opportunities and we can you know hunt the exact same destinations for a fraction of the cost versus just foregoing this whole process and paying what the market says those tags are worth. And so, um, you know, when, when we've got guys just getting started and looking to, to get into it, we, we really want to dive in and start, you know, understanding what their goals are. I I find a lot of guys internationally, um, similar to what it would be if I was coming to Australia, I, Mm -hmm. I want to get the, the most bang for my buck, be it multiple species in one trip, uh, even if it means I've got to stay a little bit longer, even if it means I've got to do some maybe extensive traveling while I'm there. Uh, and I'm, and I'm probably more like looking to check the box on different species yep. versus I'm not necessarily, you know, like I definitely want to come and hunt a Buffalo someday, bad, mm-hmm. real bad, but I'm not going to get into Buffalo hunting. I'm going to shoot a Buffalo someday and probably never go back to the Northern province again and 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 never see it again i'm going to have done that and i'm going to move on to something else and so i find that that's a common theme now if a guy does want to get into elk hunting like you have right then we're going to go about things a little bit different because i think hunting as a general rule is is a rather progressive sport and once you've got a stack of elk antlers in your garage of be it 280 to 320 class bulls you can't run and jump over someday you want that super bowl experience you want Mm -hmm. that that uh um you know 350 plus kind of uh experience and and so if if a guy wants to get into elk hunting then we're going to plan make a plan and what we call hunt plans here around kind of that progression so that not only is he hunting as often as he wants to and, and utilizing the applications to create the opportunities, but he's, we're also addressing that progression that someday simply harvesting uh, a good representation of the species isn't going to be enough. Yeah. But I, like I say, kind of falling back so many guys internationally that I work with, and I would even say guys on the East coast of the U S it's, it's a check the box uh, type yep. experience. So if, if that's what it is, then we need to really dive into what the dream is, what the vision is, so that if we're going to invest in any one of these different states, that the finish line or, or the hunt itself really is addressing those goals. And, you know, elk, I, I, I would argue often that elk is probably the most broad topic in North America. Yeah, for sure. And as you've, as you've seen, I mean, you could do a nine day horseback above timberline, leaky wall tents, eating cardboard, 
and never see an elk in Montana uh, for $3,500. And on the flip side of it, you could do a 100,000 acre private ranch with a $5 million lodge and you're popping a $300 bottle of, of scotch every night. And, and there's like everything in between. And so when a guy says, I want to go elk hunting, we like to try and dig a little bit deeper. Like what, what's the vision? What's the, what's your goal? And what is the style of hunting and whether it's a DIY type experience that maybe we're, we're going to help him uh, just even maybe dots on a map, for Mm -hmm. example, all the way up to maybe he does want uh, some logistical help, be it gear or uh, uh, horses to help pack in deeper into the deeper parts of the forest and and things like that all the way up to the fully guided experience everybody's got a different flavor that they're after and when they're losing sleep at night dreaming about uh an elk hunt or a mule deer hunt or something like that everybody's got a different dream right it's because it's you you see it on social media and and on the youtube channels and everything like that it's you see all these different experiences. So everybody has a different thing that they're after. And our goal is to try and kind of ask enough probing questions to really see what that dream is all about and, mm-hmm. and what, what it is that they're trying to do. And then if, you know, it really kind of whatever it is, then we can start helping them map out a plan that, that addresses that. Now, once we've kind of identified that now we get to kind of jump into the nuts and bolts of it. And, and we start, if, if there is being that each of the different States have a different process that they use to select hunters, we can take advantage of what I call kind of a wrinkle in the system to create those opportunities, you know, sooner, sooner than later uh, and still be addressing all of the goals. But, you know, occasionally, uh, you know, here's a good one, Craig, that I think your listeners might, might, uh, you know, relate to is it's like, listen, if I'm gonna, if I'm going to come all the way over, over the, the ocean and I'm going to come and hunt elk, I, I don't want to, or, or deer, whatever it is. I'm not, I don't even want a good representation. I want to come over there and I want to hunt the biggest, oldest, meanest stuff on the planet. Right. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate reality with that is there's only two ways to do that, uh, or I guess three. We either get really lucky uh, in one of these very long-term draw process states early. And I say that's drawing the lotto. So you got to draw the lotto. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, or, you know, so we, we put in for a long-term goal type state and we, we have a lightning strike and we get lucky early. That's the best mm-hmm. case scenario. The, the next uh, the next scenario is that we're going to buckle down for an, an excessive amount of time, right? 10, 15, 20 years. I personally have multiple applications that I've been doing for over 20 years, Mm -hmm. or I, or I'm going to pull out my checkbook and write a massive check to get, to get that accomplished. Right. And, And if we're looking for that 350 to 400 inch bull, then that's just kind of the timeframes, unfortunately, that we would be looking at to, to like truly hedge our bets with that caliber of things. But I also would say that there is kind of a misconception on what, what we're up against when it comes to that 
kind of animals. Uh, I owned a taxidermy studio for about nine years um, when I uh, probably back during the early 2000s leading up into the 2000 and teens. And I mean, I was probably looking at as many as uh, 80 to 100 bulls a year here in New Mexico, Utah. Um, sorry, my phone no, is wrong. ringing off. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, that and and I would say less than 10 percent of those, Craig, were actually bulls of that caliber. And yet growing up in some of the best elk country in the world. I promise you, if you've never hunted them before and you walk up to a legitimate 300 plus inch bull, mm. you are going to lose your mind. It's yep. going to be 800 plus pound animal and there's 300 inches of antler on him. Like yep. it, it, they're big They're And I think there's a, and so if we can, if we have the guy that's just like, listen, I don't want to go unless it's that very tippy top we're going to cater a plan around that. And I still know a few different, you know, like say wrinkles and folds that are going to create those opportunities, maybe even within five years, but are they, are they the right opportunity uh, for, for everybody? No, but we're going to dive into that um, and, and, and explain in real detail what they're up against. Like, for example, I've got two guys in Northern Arizona right now, Mm -hmm. Uh, max points, is five points in, in that unit. And you can, uh, uh, you can go and you, it's not even like a, uh, I hope I draw five years, five points, hundred percent chance of drawing. Uh, uh, the, the guys that I work with up there have in fact killed clear up into like the fourteens and four twenties yep. of bull elk. Not question. And yet, and yet, you could go on a six, seven day elk hunt in that area of the state and never cut a track of an elk. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. If I'm coming clear across the ocean and I'm going to, and, and I'm going to invest all this time and money and everything, and I've never killed an elk before, do the, are there bulls of the caliber that I'm dreaming of there? Absolutely. But that's not, that's not, that's too much of a risk for me versus I, I put a plan together uh, say in Wyoming that takes two or three years to draw. And I'm going to see anywhere from a hundred to 300 animals a day. And am I going to shoot a 350 plus bull almost? I mean, I guess you could, but it would be a lightning strike. Yep. And yet I'm going to see a half a dozen to a dozen bulls a day that are, are truly excellent representations of of the species i mean there's a record book on purpose right like Mm -hmm. it's meant to only have the top five ten percent of animals in it and when there's a couple hundred thousand elk hunters a year and only about 30 entries it's unfortunate to 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 kind of have to realize that that i'm going to put this five or ten day plan together and 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 now i have to to to, to, to do something that will result in an animal that's in the top 10% of all animals killed that year. It's just not realistic. Right. Yeah. yeah. But for guys who want to go and shoot solid representation, mature animals, right. I think as hunters and conservation is kind of, you know, really hitting the forefront across the whole world is like truly what is it that we're doing as hunters, as long as we're harvesting that six, seven, eight year old animal, like, that that is the goal that's the dream is to be harvesting those types of animals and be it 
whatever inches or whatever number they attain, be it 300 inches or 350 plus, that, as long as it's a mature animal, I think that's what most guys really want. Yep. And yet social media, the magazines and everything have put these numbers in our head um, that that are we're we're only getting to see the cream of the crop when you know me and Casey here we're hunting New Mexico year in and year out and and we've walked up to more bulls than I can count and and I promise you um if either of us are seeing a 320 class bull on the side of the hill even after all the bulls we've killed it's there's not trouble. a whole lot of units yeah there's not it's a whole lot trouble. of units in the country that yep. we're not going to kill that bull immediately yep. so um, I kind of feel like we dove way down a rabbit hole there, but the, the long story short is really just, everybody has a different goal, a different vision, a di and, and our, what we try and do is help you with, a, you know, not only investing in the places that are going to address those goals, but also make sure that when you arrive, you know, and that, that caliber of animal is there that, uh, that you're that you should harvest that you don't waste that opportunity waiting on a unicorn to pop out yep. Yep. And, and so that we can take full advantage of the opportunities when we have them i love it man I, and i look and uh, sorry guys we've jumped locked in real quick but you know guys have that are long-term listeners but even new ones will probably pick up the speed pretty quick but i think the biggest thing is is it's very it is expensive for us to come over you know you've got conversion rates of dollar and and I'm a I'm an open book. I, I, I want people to to understand um, what what they're in for before before they're coming. You know what I mean? And and I can appreciate everything you said. Like I've got a good buddy, and he I'm sure he's not going to worry about me talking about it. But Ben McCulloch, who I who got me into all this. So back in 2013, we did our first we did our first hunt together back in 2013 in Montana. Um, we did a guided hunt. I think it was like we, we drew the general tag over there, uh, which was out a thousand bucks. I think it was about six and a half grand for the for the outfitter, and had a had a had an absolute ball. You know, there was plenty of good elk around. There was the odd three twenty to three fifty sort of bull. Like you know, there was the odd fella. You know, the odd herd bull in all the different areas. But you know, you're seeing elk every day. You go in, you yep. see bulls. They're bugling. I think the fourth day. Dream experience. Just, yeah. just, you know, it was snowing. I got to see a wolf, like shit like that. Like, um, it's just a dream experience. Now, I had all the pictures in mind. I had the big bull on the front cover, all this kind of stuff. And I'm very happy to, ad to admit that when that one that you can see behind me just here, now it, we were calling another bull. It had everything. You know, big six point, the big, the big whale tail. You know, it was probably a really fine 320 330 bull you know just in his prime for that area um sure this thing just this little satellite bull come hurtling over the hill it almost ran over me like i was in the in the in the scrub and like i yelled at it's like oi to stop it it bounced <laughs> around and it and it just so happened like doug my god couldn't see it but he just happened to rip on the cow call he heard the commotion and hit a cow call this thing propped at 14 yards I absolutely pickled it. It ran, it toppled over it within sight. And Doug come up and goes, what happened? I said, well, there's a bull down. And, you know, the commotion. 
to this point, I still don't know how big it is. I have no idea what I've shot. It had antlers coming down over the top of me. It's got well, you can see, it's <laughs> massive fronts. It's only a five-five. Like it's not a, it's not a. I had no idea. Like when that thing comes hurtling over, all you can see is body and antlers. That thing was dying. Like it, I, I slammed. I pickled it. And how un, and how unfortunate would it have been? to not like culminate on that like total insane moment yeah. by not, you know, by not pulling the trigger and letting the arrow go and, and, and like letting the moment kind of come full circle. Oh. I mean, me and Katie guided a long time in a, in a lot of different places. And, and I've seen that happen where guys, you know, uh, they, they get caught up in, in, in like the inches and they can't just like really, soak in this 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 moment that you've got an 800 pound animal screaming his head off in your face and 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 the whole it's you know compared to any other hunting it's so chaotic right yeah. it's like there's there's all this noise and there's all this like <laughs> just like it's in intensity happening around you and there you are with a tag and a weapon and and the animal that you're after and to to get hung up on on just the the the, the final number in versus that the, there's a mature animal and I have a tag and I have a like let it let it happen like yeah. now now if you've done it a dozen times and your goals have changed slightly yeah. so be it but but if but if you haven't like let those moments happen how they are and and like it's there's nothing like it in the whole world. There's just nothing like yep. that. Be, there's nothing I've ever done. That's so chaotic than calling a big bull in. It's so different than any other big game hunting I've ever yeah. done. It's unbelievable. And that's where I want to, and, and you've done it perfectly. You've set it up. So, you know, I think when we're planning these things, unless you, you know, and not that I've shot a, a big, big bull, like, you know, I've got a 300 inch bull, but I mean, I've done, several trips now that you know i've still got the tag sitting in my drawer you know so i've done an elk hunt where i haven't like i passed six bulls in unit 17 don't regret not i don't regret not passing i I passed a 320 inch bull like i passed it up i seen like ben and i found a 370 80 inch bull like like i I seen him on the hoof like idiot they are you get very fixated on when you see something like that. Yeah, but, yeah, sure. You know, and but I, I was prepared. Now I had money in the game, like I had money in the game on that hunt. But and that's where it's coming back. I've done, I've, I've shot a couple of really nice bulls. It takes the pressure off. Like I did that one that we did the film on in New in, in 16C down in New Mexico, and you know that was a that was a grind of a hunt. Like that was 13 days of you know most people probably wouldn't enjoy that. In all honesty, most people wouldn't enjoy that. And that's probably one of the best hunts I've ever done. Because sure. there's not you're not seeing elk every day. You hear a bunch chirp off and you know, you we rest after them every morning, every afternoon. You know, sometimes you never even really got to see one. You know, we right. seen seen a sort of 350, 360-ish model, and I nearly got an arrow on him the night before. You know, like it when he came in, screaming his head off, you know, everyone's seen on the film, you know, you're not gonna pass that opportunity up. He's a He's nearly he's two nine right. eight or five or something like that. Like he's a yeah best part of a three hundred inch bull and mate, you're not going to pass that on. Like it's all on film. You're all set up. You've had a thirteen days. You've got one day to go. Like you've you've done you've done the to- you've tried. You've 
you've chased the elk right round and, and the opportunity's there, it's very hard to walk away from that and go, oh, well, you know, or it wasn't as big as I wanted to hit. So I guess where I'm probably coming is really want to, before we dive into how we do all this, is setting that expectation, I think, is what's going to help your job as, yeah. as an, you know, as an application service and, and just enjoying the whole moment. And then if you get addicted to it, like I did, then get back over there and start either dropping the money or, you know, there's no, I guess there's no miracle cure. Like we see the ones come through and guys get damn lucky, go over there on a Colorado open general sure. unit hunt and shoot a 340 inch bull. The first one I said, like it happens. We can't say it, it doesn't, but it's not something absolutely. to plan on. It's not something to plan on. Yeah, we've got to hedge our bets a little bit more, you know, and now, you know, and and I even think in context, it's, again, kind of different for everybody. Me and Casey want to jump up to Colorado on an over-the-counter elk hunt and go grind it out, and we, we either kill a bull like that or we don't see a single elk. The context around us going, being from New Mexico, is very, very different if you're going to, it would, you know, versus me coming to Australia and just tearing off to the you know into the desert hoping something works out it's very similar context and if we can hedge our bets by being in areas that historically have higher success rates you know have have the age class that we're looking for and stuff like that we you know and where we find that and where we you know any anywhere in the states that is is over the counter craig is being managed simply for an opportunity Yep. The, the states, for all intents and purposes, have just either one of, one of two things. They either believe that they have so many animals that they're, that they're not trying to manage them necessarily other than to just kill as many as possible. So they let a whole lot of people go in there, which makes the hunting very, very difficult. The, the animals get pushed way back deep into, into the deepest, darkest canyons. And if you haven't hunted it three, four times to start identifying where those animals are, you're, you're, you're just lost, right? You're looking for a needle in a, in a haystack and, or the, on the flip side of it, they have simply decided that they might not even want that species in that region uh, uh, of, of the state. Therefore they're issuing lots of tags to the, the few that exist are, uh, they want them killed out of yeah. there. So if you're, if you're choosing to hunt with those over-the-counter methods, you're you're choosing one of those two plans, whether you know it or not, that you're just going to a place that the state's not even trying. There isn't, there's no agenda there. There's no management happening there. And 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 most of the time you're not gonna find places in those areas that have even a 10% success rate, right? Yep. So hundred guys are out in the field and maybe 10 of them, six or seven of them are successful. And yet when we start getting the applications involved, um, you know, I think hunters as a general rule, it's just built into us that we want to work harder than our peers, right? We mm -hmm. want to out hunt them. We want to work harder than they are. We're willing to hike the next canyon, the next ridge over to get away from them and out hustle them while we're on the ground. And, and I, I tell a lot of guys this, the applications is kind of our first step in out hunting the other hunters. We're, we're already taking a step past them by investing in, and waiting our turn to go into areas uh, or getting lucky and, and now going into areas 
that the state has already said, well, only X amount of, of you are allowed to go in there. So we've already bypassed all of these other hunters by going to areas like that. And with a little studying and a little research and, and again, kind of going back to what our, our, our end game goal is, we can now put ourselves in a position for a lot more successful experience, be it DIY or guided and, and, and be in the areas that it's, it's actually possible. It work at, at the bare minimum, we're going to see animals to, mm-hmm. and have a chance to be successful yep. versus, uh, just doing what every other hunter is doing and applications is definitely the first step in out hunting the other hunters awesome very well put and i I wish i had that answer when people ask me why should i start applying and that would have nailed it so that's yeah could that's probably the best explanation i've I've honestly heard as far as the point game goes um so yeah that's a cracker um what we might do is we might start bouncing around now obviously guys we're going to probably talk about because it's pretty much elk and mule deer is pretty much where we're running. And I know casing is sort of jumping to, to a lot of this stuff. Um, obviously we've got the archery, which is, you know, more or less archery is going to say bugling elk for the most part. You know, I think that's why most guys would, would bow hunt over there because you, you're able to hunt through the rut. It's very, very hard for anyone listening with a rifle to try and get a rifle tag, try and get a rifle tag and hunt a bugle in September is, yeah we're not probably even it exists but it exists but it doesn't exist yeah Yeah. um yeah back to the unicorn yeah 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 well yeah so obviously so the rifle guys for those that are listening that's obviously they're generally typical later seasons um you know that's where snow and those kind of wonderful pictures come about and there's some great opportunities so i'm gonna and i'm not gonna cover i'll let you guys jump into these but if we just jump around um, spend as much time in each state from from a Aussie's point of view. Um, we could go quickly go through the archery process um, and maybe just step it in three three stages: the the unicorn, the 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 fifty fifty, and the one that's going to be a definite opportunity. Mm-hmm. As far as actually the ability to hunt, not so much the trophy. You know, you could dump, sure. t- touch on the trophy thing for 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 the states, the states that you're not going to really bother touching. Um, because most of the guys that I've always dealt with, it's generally been Colorado, uh, Montana and Wyoming is generally the three that we generally bounce around, um, more from a, from a opportunity to actually get a tag is probably why I've concentrated yep. on those Absolutely. and throw New Mexico in on the year that you're looking to go because for, and I'll let you guys what explain if? that, the what is. So if we can jump around the States, just give a bit of an overview of what the State's about you know, what, maybe what their sub, their, what their um, subject is, is, you know, how they're managing and quickly jump through the process of, you know, are you able to get a tag in that state? Potentially what would we be chasing? Uh, and then we'll finish up with a couple of the Northern. Um, so the Alaska stuff, uh, because I know caribou is on a lot of people's lists here. So sure. uh, we'll jump into that a little in afterwards, but you might as well start in your home state of New Mexico, and um, and we'll we'll bounce around from there, and uh, and I'll come in with questions as you go. Okay, perfect. So, um, so we can we can start in New Mexico, but actually, I was gonna maybe kind of take one step back, Craig, and and just even real quick kind of context. So, because of the without taking an hour to explain each of them, you know, guys that are looking 
for the unicorn type experience and are willing to wait a long time for that to happen. Um, you know, definitely the way the states manage and the draw processes that exist in Utah, Nevada, and Arizona are, we would kind of put those in a box and say, these, these are our long-term goals. Yes. The quality is fantastic in these places, but we, but, but it's, almost to the extent now as mature as those point systems are that we're not necessarily looking to plan a hunt in any of those places mm -hmm. as much as we're just trying to get lucky and, and, and have that lightning strike in there. So guys that want something more consistent and, and they can kind of plan around, we definitely should be looking at Wyoming and Colorado particularly, right? Yep. Those two states, and it's because of how the draw processes work. We can, they're mature systems. Uh, there's lots of kind of plateauing uh, in, in each of the different units and, and, and game management areas that we can consistently forecast. If you apply for two years, three years, one year, whatever it is, we're going to hit a finish line. And what our job is to do is to say, okay, the, the hunt that you, are capable of drawing this year if you chose to this is this is how we could plan this this is the type of air the terrain this is the caliber of animals this is the the diy options associated with it this is the guided options associated with it and if we wait another year or two years here's some other opportunities that are going to be coming down the pipeline that would would be available if we chose to wait and maybe sometimes that, that, that's not necessary. Like, I think there's a misconception uh, that, and I think at one point a number of years ago, it was in fact accurate, but it, it's no longer accurate that if we just wait one more year, that the opportunities, that's the next, there, there'll be, yeah, the, it's just a, a continual progression that, that if we wait one more year, there'll be a little better opportunity and a little better opportunity and a little better opportunity. That's not really the case anymore. And I find a lot of guys, we, we just got off the phone with a gentleman a few minutes ago that in, in Wyoming Elk, for example, I, I feel like the guy's really kind of in a no man's land. He's got more than enough points to go on a lot of hunts that, that really are what he's looking to do. Uh, they, 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 they check all the boxes on his goals that he's trying to accomplish. And yet he's, he's probably another four to five years, maybe even six years away from some opportunities that would be kind of that next tier up. Yep. So, uh, I think it, our goal is to just at least make it, make it known. So, because we don't want to make any decisions for anybody, we just want to give them as much information as we have about their current situation based whether they have zero points or five points or 10 points that that these are your options this is the opportunities that you have right now and if you know the next tier up is either a year away because you know obviously we would want to know that most guys are going to wait one more year if there's truly a next level opportunity waiting for them one year away but if the next level opportunity is 10 years away well that changes everything and, and now they can make a conscious decision for what's best for them, mm -hmm. uh, whether they want to go down that path and, and, and end up in a very long-term goal type situation or whether it's time to burn those points and, and go hunting. So Colorado and, and Wyoming, because of, of the way their system works, allows us to forecast that very, very effectively 
and and help guys plan out, you know, especially coming from overseas, you know, a year or two in advance even mm -hmm. and say, no, if we do this, you will in fact draw. We we feel very comfortable that you're going to draw this tag. Yep. Montana um, is a little bit more complex, but it's uh, uh, it's it's also a good one and one that we can kind of uh, forecast as well and, and go hunting. Um, there's, there's kind of a two part system to, to Montana where they have the general tag and then they also have special permit areas and you actually build points in congruent with each other that, uh, that, and once you've secured the general tag, which typically is now taking one or two points to yeah. secure, um, then we have a chance to draw the special permit areas and for archers, especially, um, if we were looking for that finish line for, a you know, an above average caliber elk, uh, Montana might be a really great fit, but it's going to be expensive on, on some big private ranches. Mm -hmm. Um, there's some good hunting on the public land that is, you know, three, four years out is all, um, and, and some really good DIY options to, to consider in Montana in the special permit areas. But the general elk tag, I, I think you've experienced this, uh, yep. that it, it's so day and night from the private land versus the public land. It's, it's, I don't know anywhere scary. else in the country <laughs> that it's so no, glaring. It, there's like it's a, bizarre. It's like a law line. It, like it's a perfect it's like line a of line. animals. Those yeah. elk, like you, you can have some of the most incredible experiences on a general elk tag in Montana on private land and you could literally be on the edge of the private in the same basin mm -hmm. and you will have a very very different elk experience and 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 struggle you you will in in death you will just have a, a very rough time being yeah. successful and so um you know archery elk you know if guys are wanting to plan on coming and maybe it's a check the box type of thing then then I really, I, I lean towards Wyoming a lot, right? Mm -hmm. I think that with about three points, you can draw half of the state of Wyoming and that hunt can be catered to so many different genres and styles, be it above timberline, uh, high altitude type hunting or sagebrush, rolling hills and pine ridges and, and all of those types of things. It's all very available. Um, if it's a guy that wants to get into elk hunting, you know, and wants to do it more regularly, maybe two, three trips in a 10 year period, maybe four or five trips in a 10 year period, then I definitely would recommend we get started in Wyoming. We start looking at Colorado um, as a secondary Montana for Archer specifically, the, the rifle hunting, as you probably know, in those special permit areas is very, very different. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a very long, long-term goal, but it's why there's some big bulls up in there. Um, nearly, you're nearly Mexico, throwing that rifle. You nearly sorry to cut you off. You're nearly throwing that rifle tag in Montana. You're nearly throwing that in the pool with Arizona, Nevada. Uh, yes, absolutely. They are nearly that and hard. Montana to get hold doesn't of. have a max point pool. No, that's what hard. There, there's no finish line. It's it's always a luck of the draw. Yeah. And unfortunately, they don't give very many tags. And so even when you have say ten points, you've got no ten. Yeah, you got well they actually square their points so you'd have a hundred raffle tickets in the bucket and at face value that seems awesome right but if there's a thousand guys with 
or let's even just say there's a hundred guys with 10 points and they each have a hundred tickets in the bucket. And then there's another 200 guys with nine points and they each have 81 tickets in the bucket. And there's a hundred guys with eight points and they got 64 tickets in the bucket. You can see quite quickly your hundred tickets isn't, doesn't have much value. It doesn't have very much presence in the bucket. Mm. And so it looks good on paper. And yet when you start really crunching the math on it all, we end up oftentimes in a less than 1% chance of drawing. And we might as well be writing a donation check to Montana every year, because that's about what as much good as we're doing. And so, you know, I, I, for guys that want to go often, Wyoming and Colorado are going to create multiple opportunities uh, and Montana for archers, um, multiple opportunities in a 10 year period. And then New Mexico really fits nicely into a hunt plan with a guy that uh, wants to be really aggressive, right? Because New Mexico doesn't have a point system. You're not behind a curve. You have the same chance as everybody, even the very first year you apply. So whether it's the first year that we get started and you're like, yeah, I I really would like to go this next year if it was possible, then the New Mexico is, is a no brainer to add to your hunt plan. And yet maybe the following year, we've got a hunt planned in Wyoming. We know that we're going to go to Wyoming. Then we can now retract that New Mexico application um, because we're not going to fall behind a curve there. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason to uh, end up with multiple, you know, to even risk having multiple too much stuff going on at one time. And and unless, you know, I, I definitely, I guess I'll even divert back to something we mentioned at the very first of the conversation, which was, if you're going to come and it, and you're going to say, listen, if I'm going to go to the States, I want to get the most bang for my buck. Now we're going to be really careful in how we're applying. And maybe you're going to do 30 days over here. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, we're going to, we're going to do 30 days and we're going to plan on hunting this Wyoming hunt on maybe the last week of September and the second week of September, let's put in for something in New Mexico that we could go and do the second week of September and then we'll roll up. You know, if that's the type of hunt you envision, we can cater to that and make sure it has rhyme and reason to it. But, but most guys are going to come and do one. And if we know that we're going to draw, then we would retract the New Mexico application that year and, and maybe roll forward. And, and like to put a big picture about why New Mexico, even, I think that there's a misconception there too, with lots of guys who've never done this, Craig, in like that random drawing, it, it, it it's definitely a roll of the dice. It feels like we're just, you know, we're going to grab a hundred dollars and, and put it on the pass line and, and mm-hmm. throw the dice down the table. Um, but like, so I'll, like we're, we're a pretty new company, right? You know, me, me and you've worked together for a long time. I've been doing this game a long time at really high levels, but the draw as a general rule is, is a fairly new company. And so like just going off of numbers last year in the drawing to, to I think to put it in perspective of what we're up against and, and how good the New Mexico draw can be is I think last year we drew six elk tags in, in Arizona. We yep. drew one in Nevada. We drew one in Utah. We drew about a dozen guys in Wyoming. Um, we, we have probably five or six guys in Colorado that chose to go on on some hunts over there. We drew a couple of tags in Montana. Um, 
for guys that were going to go on those big private ranches up there. And I think we drew 28 New Mexico elk tags. Gives you big, so, gives you, uh, it, that gives you a very good yeah, perspective. I mean, that, it shows you how hard, like, so it, even though it's a roll of the dice, it really is a good one. It's a, there, mm. we give a lot of tags to non-residents in New Mexico and, and it, it's not just this empty, uh, you know, donation check. Like we mean to go hunting and we draw a lot of tags in this state. Yep. And it's because of how our draw process works that the state is set up. Um, and, and because you're not behind a point curve, you, you have the same chance as the, as guys who've been at it a long time. Um, so, you know, archery elk hunting in a nutshell, long-term goals, again, to kind of recap Nevada, Utah, Arizona, guys who want to go hunting often and or sooner than later, I would probably say Wyoming, Colorado, and Montana, maybe in that order, maybe, you know, Colorado and Montana may be right on the same playing field, mm -hmm. but, but for opportunities and styles of hunting that a guy can hit a finish line very quickly, whether it's DIY or guided, Wyoming is such a strong state to, to get going with. And, and, and it creates a lot of opportunities and it's the way it works. We can, we can forecast it and put a real plan in place around it instead yep. of just hoping that it, that something miracle miraculous happens yeah awesome what about the rifle guys like it's something that i probably haven't concentrated on much because obviously i it, it's a it's a bigger world again when it comes to rifle and all its different seasons uh does those states run in the same same order i i would say to to some extent yes i think uh so what what's happening in in uh wyoming is you're 90 percent of the time you're actually drawing a rifle permit and then there yep. is like a, a stamp that archery you buy stamp. that allows you to to hunt during the archery season and then if you're unsuccessful during the archery season you can come back to the rifle but the one thing i would change is i again we kind of touched on montana and the and how different it is up there so typically if i have a guy like you know a question i ask a lot of times craig is in a 10-year period if you could hunt as often as you wanted uh, for whatever species you want, how, how often would you do that? Is it one time? Is it just a bucket list type hunter? Is it once a year? And if the guy says I'm a rifle hunter and I would, I would like to hunt every year for the next 10 years, uh, typically we're going to focus on Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, and then I'm actually going to default to Arizona and Arizona what we're looking to accomplish there isn't is a little bit and, and we would want to make sure it, it lines up with the guy's goals but like so many things if we're if we're willing to hunt uh not only maybe some of the fringe units where the the highest density of elk maybe live during the summertime but now we're going to hunt maybe like end of november and into december with a rifle we can hunt some of these lower elevation areas that don't maybe have the, tr the you know, the notoriety uh, of the uh, of the units that produce these giant bulls during the rut with the rifle that take 20 plus years to draw. We can hunt the, the desert units in the lower elevations that don't get as much time. We're going to hunt farther from the rut activity, and it's going to be a lot more like, say, a mule deer hunt, right? It's a lot mm -hmm. of glassing, lots of hiking, that that style. Um, but we can draw those in a realistic time frame that 
that we're probably still going to hunt Wyoming a couple of times. We're going to hunt Colorado a couple of times. God willing, we're probably going to draw uh, a New Mexico tag one or two times in the middle of that. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, hey, I, I do in fact have this stack of elk horns in my garage. I can't run and jump over. I'm ready for my chance at a giant bull with about, you know, anywhere from five to 10 years. Uh, we have some very realistic late rifle elk hunting in Arizona for some great big bulls and in some great areas that that you could you, you really do have that crack at a 330 to 360 class bull. Um, and and the reason for that is because we're hunting away from the rut and we're hunting in some of these lower elevation desert units. And so I, I kind of default to for a rifle guy to Arizona as long as he, you know, he's kind of up for a bit of a long-term goal type situation um, that we're kind of building up to. We're going to hunt a lot leading up to it, but if we, if we wanted to round out a a good 10 year hunt plan that has lots of hunting involved in it, I think for a rifle hunter, I would probably do Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, and then have Arizona as kind of our, our finish line, so to speak, uh, uh, of, a, a, of an excellent elk hunting career. Yeah. Casey, do you, although you guys work on the same banner, but you know, does your gut sort of sink the same way? Like, do, do, do you sort of follow the same suit or have you got your couple of little ones that you like to throw in as well? No, most everything's the same. I had a kind of a different mindset before I even met with Jordan and started talking to him that, you know, I was going to be only long-term goals had, you know, I was going to build points here, build points there, but then I started getting a few points and I really didn't know where to turn or where I was going to burn them, if I was going to waste them. So most of my stuff is basically right where he's saying, I prefer to hunt once a year. So I have my Colorado, Wyoming, and then obviously I'm a resident of New Mexico. And then uh, we're pretty close to the Arizona border. So I play with those four states quite a bit. And on any given year, I pretty much get to choose where I'm going. So if, if I've got some points getting up in Colorado, I can look at it and say, well, maybe I want to wait and get two more points here and have a, a crack at, uh, you know, some, some higher quality bucks or me and uh, a buddy or me and a cousin will cash in our points and go on something that, you know, we could draw in two to three years and hunt hard, maybe hunt 170 to, you know, plus bucks. Or for me, if I see a, a good 160 buck, you know, I like to shoot stuff. I don't like to just sit there and take my tags home and throw them back in the drawer. So. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more realistic in it. You know, I've been on a a bucket of hunts uh, for myself and clients. And at the end of the day, you know, I I'd like to enjoy the process. And if I get a crack at something giant, then cool. But, you know, I, I I like just being there. And then if something stands our broadside conditions are right, I'm usually pulling the trigger. Awesome. I think, um, and you sort of nailed it on the head there. What we talk about in a story is what happened. You know, it's very rarely to be sort of like, oh, it's got a 20-inch fifth and or, you know, it might be a, uh, you know, a four by four with, you know, big eye gut. Like we very rarely talk about the animal. And I think if we can drive that home as much, like the experience, it's so easy for me to talk about because I've had the best experiences over there. I haven't had a bad one. Um, I mean, I did a, I don't know if I told you, Jordan, but like I did a unit 16s in Nevada last year chasing mule deer. Nice. Like, that's brutal. Like, it's, yeah, you know, it's. Yes. I, I'm very fortunate. One of my good mates come with me, and and thank God, because I don't know how I would have even survived. But just just from sheer like 
frustration and boredom. Like, you know, we went, did the whole high, hiked up 11,000 feet, couldn't find a deer, near, you know, couldn't breathe, come down, you know, found found deer in all that like sort of low scrub country. And, you know, it's tough. You know, you've got like a five-minute window on first light to try and, you know, get yourself in a position. But then it's too low a country, you can't glass them up. You know, you don't have right. any kind of elevation to really – but, you know, we found them. You know, we found we found some – great bucks like we sound found a 180 190 deer and i i got 60 yards the wind turned on me to stuff like that but you know it, it what it comes back to is i still talk about that and i didn't i didn't pull i didn't put an arrow on oh no i did that put an arrow on a string there but i didn't even look like putting a you know pulling my bow back to be honest with you um but right. i spoke about that hunt last year more so than probably what i have you know some of the others you know what i mean and um you know, that, that, that's probably an example where you're saying, you know, someone that wants to hunt every year, you can draw that tag nearly every year, nearly every other year. Um, sure. And you have the potential to you know, shoot some de- like bloody good bucks, you know. We sent big elk at the same time. And um, oh, talk about sheep. I never, I never yeah. knew there was that many sheep in, that alive. Like, you know, we're counting 350, 400 sheep up on top of the range yeah. like isn't it incredible amazing? incredible i've got yeah. we sat there for hours just watching them mate like and it's like you know we're, we're sitting amongst some of the rarest animals in north america you know and, yep. and you sort of got to stop and think about that kind of stuff and mate we hunted 18 days and had a an absolute as tough as it was didn't even look like shooting anything but it was you know we learned a lot like i'd go back there now and say that i reckon i could probably shoot one no I'm no and i think now. that's a like- I think that that's actually a great a great thing to bring up because I think uh, I, we've talked about this before. I think you know Aussies. Uh, there's a lot of them that truly have a passion for the DIY experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're gonna come and they want to come and hunt by themselves and, and do it their way. And whether they have a little bit of logistical help, be it a pack in or whatever, at the end of the day, they will want to go hunt the way that they like to hunt and do things. And and I think that it's it i i work with a lot of guys even stateside that that's the goal that's the dream and one of the things that i like to talk about in that is listen we're gonna we're gonna do our research on the on the front end of this to make sure you're going to quality areas that have uh um quality you know quality age class all the right pieces of the puzzle and yet just like when we grew up hunting the the opening day the first year in a new area um that we that we go is likely to be a different area the second time we go because we learned right Mm -hmm. we're we're a lot more prepared for the area we have a little history now we know you know we we talked um i'm i'm gonna head out with caleb um i told you uh, last week or whatever i've got a coos deer hunt with me and my wife and it was a new unit for me um, I've spent a little bit of time in there about three years ago, but it was a brand new net new unit. Um, I spent four days over there, um, should have killed a deer or two, but, uh, just had a couple of hiccups with an eight year old and a wife in tow that, <laughs> that it didn't quite work out the way that I wanted to, but case in point, Caleb's coming in this weekend. We're going coos deer hunting tomorrow and where I'm going to start hunting tomorrow is a place that I found towards the end of the the time. So I'm, I'm kind of squeezing that experience into a one year timeframe. And yet if we're going to go DIY, we're going to, to plan on those hunts. Uh, even when we go to higher success rate areas and, 
and 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 we do all of that legwork, um, it, there's still a learning curve. There's just yeah. no way around it. There's going to be a learning curve. And as long as we can kind of know that going in, I think it just changes the whole context of what we're trying to accomplish year one in an area. I mean, Colorado mule deer, we haven't talked a lot about mule deer, but you know, I, 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 Casey's probably heard me say this 30 times in the last three or four days um, with some of the season dates changing in Colorado, but uh, there's going to be some pretty late into November hunting for deer next year should be pretty teed up in the rut. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping we have an army of guys headed to Colorado this year because the stars are lining up with the dates. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe I could throw a dart and hit wherever it hit in Colorado. And that county will have produced a 200-inch mule deer um, within the, the last year or two, if not every year, right? It yeah. just doesn't matter. The mule deer hunting is incredible over there. And yet I, I really believe that no matter where you're hunting in that state, it's very weather dependent on how successful of a hunt you're going to have or not. And so if I'm going to dream up this and, you know, and there's so many good deer hunts that take that you can draw the first time you apply or, or with one point, right. I think, I think I did a post on Instagram last year. I need to find it and put it back up or re recalculate, but it was something like there was 205 different rifle hunts you could draw in Colorado for deer with one point or less. That's insane. Right? It's insane. They're, and, and still so hunt Eastern, and still hunt like damn good. And deer. public land. I actually took most of the Eastern Plains out of it. Mm-hmm. It was public land, national forest hunting. There was over 200 of them with one point or less. And so what, what, what I'm getting at is, is we can hunt as often as we want to in there. And if we show up on, say, uh, so the last time the stars kind of lined up like this was, I believe, in 2015. Yeah, and 2014 or 2015 and but the weather and didn't come is that the one no it, yeah that's what happened yeah so, so like me and the rest of the world burns our points <laughs> to colorado on third season <laughs> and it was like 75 degrees outside and the deer weren't moving and and it turned into a very difficult week of hunting the point being for the diy hunter is if, if I'm going to dream this up, I mean, you, you, you want the best conditions you can every time you go in there. But if I've hunted a place even one time for five days or, or, or longer and, and the conditions aren't perfect, at the next year that I get there and the conditions are right, how much more lethal am I? Yeah, how much yeah. better am I? Am I I'm truly ready to take advantage of the, the right conditions that have happened uh, so that I can maximize the, the opportunity. And truly, in my opinion, doing this for a number of years, the guys who, who want to go DIY, they're willing to come over multiple, mul- you know, they're, they're willing to plan a hunt year after year after year, even if it's a zero or one point draw type of thing. One of those times in a three-year period that the weather conditions are going to hit. It's Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. And, and, personal opinion i would rather it happened on year three because i'm ready yeah i i'm very familiar with the area now we know what the deer are doing know what what's going to happen and now there's eight inches of snow on the ground and i might as well be glassing for flies in a bowl of milk like i know right where i want to be opening morning with my tripod and my 15s and and i'm gonna find them and i'm gonna kill a great big deer 
but that but it does take time if we're going to to so we either pay for a guide to kind of you know speed up our learning curve in the in those areas so that we can maximize it if it happens to be the right weather conditions or we invest over a couple of years of learning it and then and then we're there, we're there consistently enough that one of those years, the conditions are going to be right. And it doesn't matter whether I, I like, it, it's a great story of a friend of mine uh, that I went overseas with. He, uh, he's a big hunter. He's killed some amazing deer. Like last year, he's a Utah resident and he actually pulled his Henry mountains tag yeah. and killed like a two twenty something deer with his bow. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the, the guys killed a number of not just big deer, but like, uh, like truly unbelievable deer. I, I really believe in his ability. Well, in Colorado, one of the things you can do, uh, and it, and it really ties into the deer a lot more than the elk is there's, like I said, there's a lot of hunts that you can draw with zero points. And so when you're processing those applications, you can actually code your application for a point only as your first choice, and then pick one of those units that's a zero point uh, unit and put it as your second and your third choice and you'll progress you'll get your point and still get your get your tag and so he has a unit up in kind of the north center part of the state that he's hunted year after year for you know eight or nine years and once on the second season and once on the third season the conditions were perfect and he killed giants he killed like Mm -hmm. A 190 <laughs> something that's a, buck. That's a second choice tag. On a second choice tag, the conditions were right. He's familiar with the area and he knew how to take advantage mm-hmm. of it. He killed like a 190 something buck on a second season and he he broke 200 on a third season when the, the conditions were right. So this whole time he's been building points, building points. And, and well before that, he's been building points. And last year, he decides to burn 17 points, almost two decades of waiting on a Gunnison Basin Unit mm-hmm. 67 third tag. rifle season. Yep. yep. It, it's supposed to be as good as it gets, right? Yep. Like this is this is the, the Super Bowl of deer hunting in, in Colorado. Well, it's third season, shows up about five days early, starts scouting, starts looking, starts looking, hunts all nine days of the season. And it's like 70 plus degrees the entire season that he's out there. And the best deer that he sees is like what he believed to be like a three, maybe four year old uh, buck that's got great genetics, probably would have scored about 180, but it super spindly horns, not, you know, Mm -hmm. just not a mature deer. And He's killed enough of those. I, I wish I could say I'm the same style of hunter. I think I killed that buck, but yeah. but he's uh, he he goes ahead and passes it because it's not what he's looking for, and yet and, and and the season you know the sun sets the last day and he's sitting there with his tag in his hand after 20 years of waiting. And I think that that's another concept that we at the draw really try to push home with guys is that 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 if we're in areas that historically have the right age class more often then we're going to get the opportunity that we're looking for more regularly than waiting 10 years, 20 Mm. years and putting it in this 10 day window and saying all of our dreams have to come true because they have to, I waited 20 years to do Mm. this. It's just not realistic. It's not how hunting 
wild animals on public land works. It just doesn't work that way. And maybe there was a time when these point systems were just getting started that, that that was the case that if you just waited longer and you waited your turn, then it was going to be this, this incredible experience when you finally went. And yet Mm -hmm. as mature as the systems are, it's just not a realistic way of planning a hunt. In my opinion, it's, I, I say guy to guys all the time, the best time to kill an elephant in Africa is when you're there and they need one killed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, unless you want to drop a hundred grand on an elephant hunt, you know, go to Africa a bunch of times. And eventually you're going to be there when they need an elephant killed and you'll get the best screaming deal you ever ha- had on it. It's the same for us in the States with big deer, big elk is if we go to these areas more often and we either double down on the investment with an outfitter to kind of get us past the, the, you know, the learning curve and then pray on our knees every night for, for good weather conditions when we get there, or we just get comfortable with the idea that we're going to, we're going to need some time in here to truly be successful. You know, I think you're, you know, 18 days, you said in Nevada, Mm -hmm. you know, so for, for most guys, you crammed three years worth of hunting into a one trip thing Mm -hmm. and where you were hunting day five was definitely, I got to believe it was different than day one. Right. And and maybe even, I wouldn't be be going where it was the first five days. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's That's what what you learned. You kind of, you, 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 you being that those season dates are so, are so long in Nevada, you are capable of having that progression Mm -hmm. in one trip to where all of a sudden you found the kind of bucks that you were looking for. And yet being that so many of these states, be it Colorado or New Mexico or, or even Wyoming, the season dates are a lot smaller time yeah. frame. We just have to plan around that, be aware of it. And as long as we know going in that this is kind of what my goal is, my goal year one isn't that I'm going to come home with the biggest animal. Now we're going to give it everything we got, um, obviously, but we also need to take into account that, if I'm coming to Australia sight unseen by myself, uh, I'm going to have a learning curve yep. no matter where I go. Right. Like, yep. yeah, like you're crazy kid. What are you talking about? You're not going to, you're probably not going to see anything if you go mm-hmm. out. Cause how could you possibly know where to go and where to be? And the same thing here in the States. And, and so I, I, I love, I love the DIY guy that, especially when they, they kind of starts, you know, r- seeing the vision of it all and they start seeing that at 10,000 feet like we do and it's like okay this is how if this is what I want and my goal truly it lies within the DIY success story let's be realistic about it let's put a plan in place that that we can be successful and yeah I have guys every year that go and, and accomplish everything they ever dreamed of year one but it, it's not something we should plan on. It's yeah. we, we need to make a, a little more in-depth plan. For sure. And I, look, and I'll touch on, obviously I'll bring it back to, to me because I can obviously it's easier to, to talk that way. But uh, yeah, you know, you get the experience and, and I'm certainly not, you know, the best hunter that's going on there. I'm not, I'm not the best caller, but it's all been a progression, you know, progression as well. And, um, you know, been able to call elk and things like that. Like I can't wait to have unit 17 again. You know that you, yeah. you guys know that country and and it's there's people everywhere and you're like man i've got one of the best tags in the state potentially and there's people everywhere all i had to do and it just took a push from my buddy when he came over unfortunately i had a couple of days left by the time he came over but you get wound up in what everybody else is doing 
And all he said to me was, well, why don't we go up there? And I said, oh, well, I don't know. He said, well, let's go. You know, and I got into, unfortunately, I got into 20 yards off a bull and I couldn't get a shot away because all these cows and winter and, you know, all those wonderful stories. But it just took that little push. Now, if I got that tag again, I wouldn't do anything that we did you know, on those first sort of week, you know, I, I know where I want to go. I, I understand as of last year, that big bull was still alive because I sent me mate up in there and they actually got a, they actually got a photo on a trail camera on him. Um, and so that, you know, there's a big bull sitting up there. He'll probably die of old age where he is because no one will walk up there because it's literally a 10 minute hunt. You're either going to get on him or you're not like, it's simple as not. that. Yeah, it's, it's just a little strip and where he goes, you're not going to be able to hunt him. But you know, if you had it right, and it was just those kind of little things that I sort of looked at and, you know, there was stuff that you could have to work a little bit harder to go around a little private strip to get up into this other country and it was nothing. But when you look at it on a map, you're like, I'm not going there. But it was just about those little tactics of getting you outside. and Just getting um, more familiar with the area you're yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Just knowing what yep. they do, like what elk do in Montana is completely different to what they do in New Mexico. Like there's a whole nother border. Oh, absolutely. You know, and yep. then it, it, I'm isn't sure... Isn't it crazy how that's... That, how they they're, the not, case, they're like a completely different species, you know, yes. in, in a way they act. Um, they're very, very, uh, they love their little routines. Like uh, that's what amazed me. But then they'll throw a spanner in the works. And as soon as they start rutting, it just changes. Like it's, yeah. But, you know, everything, so that, everything changes. Yeah. So I guess what it is, you know, it just comes back to, you know, good planning, um, knowing kind of what you want, what your, what your expectations are. And actually what I want to throw at you because, um, it takes us too long to catch up together, but like what I've sort of been planning is yes, the, the Arizona strip for a mule deer, everybody's seeing these giant 240, 250 freaks coming out of there. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to run my points on a Kyabab tag. Sure. Because I'm like, I could potentially, potentially, well, actually probably more because I don't even know whether the strip tag will even be drawable uh, to a certain point in an archery tag, but you know, potentially I could draw a Kaibab type two or three times, you know, with my ability to hunt that area. I'm like, well, yep. okay. You know, there's still great 200 inch bucks coming out of Kaibab. It's a little bit different kind of hunting, but I'd rather go there two or three times than wait 25 years to hunt the strip. And who knows how many trail cameras I've got to put up with. Do you know what I mean? Like that whole, it's like a unit. No, nine, I think that you're, it's like a unit nine or 10 yeah. Arizona tag. Like, I don't know whether that style, like, yes, there's 400 inch bulls in there. But that style of hunting, I don't know is for me. Like, I think I'd sure. rather a 27 or a, oh man, 23 would be beautiful. But I'd even like say, you know, uh, you know, somewhere where it mightn't be quite, like I'd probably prefer a unit eight tag over yeah. somewhere where it is a bit harder. It's not somewhere where everybody can see or do or, you know, and that's one of my other good mates we've been talking about that's like man i don't want to put up with 20 people watching over one bull that's named big joe like that's not kind of the hunting i want right. i don't really want to spend 20 years of waiting on that like yes i'd love to shoot a 400 inch bull but i don't know well, it's like the process yeah the process the whole time is waiting in line you're you're waiting in line for the strip tag and then you get there and 20 people know of the same buck and you're waiting in line to maybe get a chance to see him and hope that you're the closest guy to him and yep. that the guys behind you aren't trying to outrun you there. But the whole time you're just waiting in line, the whole it, process, the whole strategy for the strip is to wait in line. And yeah. I, for it's me, like, that's just not my thing. It's like nah. combat hunting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I just, yeah, you're like, but yeah, I'll bring this up. 
I bring this up because that like guys need to understand like when these big deer and big elk are shot, like it's not. I'm not saying all like it's not hunting by any means, but a lot of this, you know, uh, especially Arizona, unfortunately, has been put thrown under the bus a little bit here. But you know, they they don't come from just like walking up on this unknown elk. Like they're all known. They've got guys spending a lot of time on these elk and. I think that's what you got to decide whether, you know, am I just going out into the middle of the healer in New Mexico and hoping what we can see? I'm sure that's a better hunt in my eyes. Like, you know. Well, and the the buddies of mine that have killed the most bulls and the best quality of bulls traditionally shy away from the high quality, hard to draw units. And they just draw or put in for places they have a chance at drawing and they give themselves an opportunity to get in the field and then they learn it over and over and over again and their strategy changes just like our strategy for the draw it's it's a strategy <laughs> and we may change that strategy as as time develops or as yep. you draw tags or you you kill animals but their strategy is to give themselves a chance in the field and then you know say they hunt one canyon one year and their strategy changes all right i'm going to hunt the neighboring canyon or the opposite side of the unit but it's it's all about strategy and you really can't have any of that happen without a good plan from the start and then giving yourself uh an an opportunity just to be in the field you're not going to shoot one from the couch no that's right and and i I, yeah i I play two games because i can't speak for one or the other like I, i play like yes i've got that you know we've got that like waiting game of you know trying to get to that better potential but knowing what comes out of the ones that hold that potential, maybe you're not going to see, as, which I can obviously do, but you know, you're not going to see as many animals. And I know Jordan, and I, you and I have spoken about it, particularly in New Mexico, but um, you're not going to see animals every day. But when you do find one, it's well, probably going think, to be a pretty good damn one. Well, and I think, you know, I think that brings up a good point too. And that, you know, sometimes I, I get guys that I work with, uh, Craig, that they're hopelessly, addicted to this game like I am like like if my poor wife ever knew how much I play this game and where I play it and all the applications that I submit she would probably freaking kill me because I can't help it I have to apply I have to try and draw and yet I would I would say very you know that the way that I play it is so wrong for for a lot of guys and what their goals are i have lots and lots of applications that that i have no agenda around them at all like they truly are unicorn tags they are they are lightning bolts if they ever happen and and i have them entirely for that like me personally my nevada my nevada is never ever and i'm i I kind of don't think I'll ever draw Nevada, but I have to apply, right? They give 31 non-resident desert bighorn tags. And if I was ever to draw deer and elk, it's likely to be the very best that I'm ever going to get a crack at. Now, again, I'm back to that. I got a 10-day window to make all my dreams come true, but there is some really incredible stuff. But I apply for Nevada, not with an intent of going hunting. It's that I want my chance at those at that unicorn tag. And yet, I have a whole lot of other applications that that are, in fact, for me to go hunting as often as I want to go. That's what they're there for. That's why I invest in them. And I even have stuff, you know, that that I call like my backup plans, right? The, the application isn't due until later into May or June. And I've got to see the smoke clear on a whole lot of applications, be it New Mexico or 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 
or just Utah, Montana, you name it. Like, and, and some of them are sheep, moose, goat, some of them are deer and elk, but I want to see what all of those did or didn't do throughout the whole application season. And when I'm sitting there in the end of May, instead of defaulting to a, uh, uh, some, you know, some over the counter opportunity, I have specifically invested in those applications that have the late deadlines. You know, maybe it's South Dakota, maybe it's Wyoming deer and antelope, maybe it's Iowa whitetails, whatever it is, they're there for when nothing else worked. Do I have this insane burning desire to go up to Wyoming and shoot an antelope? I, I kind of don't, but I'm not going to sit on my couch you know, and for a year. (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 and because I like playing the game, I'm not really the type that's, that wants to spend $10,000 on a landowner permit either. So I use those applications as my backup plan. And, and I think just, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea for most guys to even think about playing the game like I do to begin with. I think, you know, it's, it's more about like we get started we, the, the jump rope starts swinging. We create some opportunities. We check some boxes. Now, if you love it and you decide that you, you get hopelessly addicted to it like me, then God bless you. We can help you. Like I can show you some crazy stuff that's out there that, that, that you probably have no business. Like you might as well be writing the donation check. Mm-hmm. So be it. Like if that's what your goals end up being and you like the game of it, but if the goal is to go hunting then we need to rein it in, get very targeted on what our goal is and what we're trying to accomplish and execute a plan in states that allow us to do that uh, with consistency. And, the, and, and we find those wrinkles and folds to, to your point, like the Kaibab archery, right? You know, that's, at, at a, is it a tough hunt? Yes, it's very tough. Is mm-hmm. there, you know, any given day, 10,000 people from, from everywhere in the world going to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon to look off of that into that ditch. Absolutely. Does it, is there hikers and mountain bikers? And yes, there's like, there's like a lot of variables that we need to be aware of, but with four points, four years. So, and and with pretty good odds, even with like two points, we could realistically hunt that thing three times in 10 years. And you're in a unit that absolutely is going to produce not even just 200 inch deer every year. I mean, mm-hmm. one of our good friends killed like a 230 class mm-hmm. buck up there this year. And so you're putting yourself in a place that they exist and we're getting past the learning curve because we're going to hunt it a few times in a 10 year period. And, and now, and, and that's, there's a, the, the, even like looking at the strip, right. Or the Kayabab, maybe even like the earlier late rifles and things like that it takes so many stinking years to draw those tags in the max point pool the that a guy just getting started right now i i really don't believe it's mathematically possible for him to ever reach the max point pool there's not, too many people not, applying not for you to say well, turn around and go yeah it's worth doing like that's it, yeah exactly it's there. not yeah. It, it's not a it's not about you know so if we're going to if we're going to do it we have to um we have to have the right the right context about why we're going to invest in it and what we're what we're going to do and and the hardest part when and you probably can relate to this Craig is that all of a sudden 
whether we meant it or not, we end up with these points that have matured more than we ever maybe intended them, right? That's just a part of it. If we got four or five applications getting started, at some point 10 years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to have, you know, eight, 10 points uh, accumulated in one application or the other that we never really intended on that. But here it sets and we've hunted a lot in the, in the process of that. And something happens when a guy gets to that point level. And, and it's kind of unfortunate, in my opinion, is that now all of a sudden it, there, there's a lot more. It, it means a lot more. It has mm-hmm. to mean more because I waited so long. And, and, and therefore, because I waited so long, that, that this has to be a certain caliber of experience that I'm going to have because I waited so long. And as mature as these point systems are, Craig, it's, really it's, much. it's unfortunate because all it really means is it's your turn to go. It doesn't mean that it's something special. It doesn't mean that it's this upper echelon experience waiting for you. It just simply means it's your turn to go. And I can promise you for every guy that's killing that 220 plus deer on the Kayabab, there's a whole lot of guys who never see bucks over 140, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it happens and it doesn't, and just because it took a long time to draw, doesn't mean that there's this, that there's this you know, paradise of giants running around. And it's like, well, with, you know, you like the one with the big drop time or do you like the yeah. big typical? Like, <laughs> Which no, one do you want to pick? Not it works. <laughs> it's not, uh, it just means it's your chance to go yep. in that unit that a whole lot of other people also want to go to. Yep. But it but it has no bearing on the, the caliber of, of animals that you're going to see when you get there. Even reverting back to my buddy's story in Colorado, the burn 17 points mm. just because he waited 17 years didn't mean he he was you know owed uh, or or a default to some giant yep. it's not it just meant it was his turn and that's where i come back to you know, what casey said about you know standing in line in unit nine or ten like i think if i'm gonna wait 20 years for a tag i want to be like sitting on top of heaven like you know i want the <coughs> I want Absolutely. the, you can't I want the want mountains, that. and I want, I want all, yeah. I want everything. You, you know, if I'm going to wait that, that long, long, it's, yep. yeah, especially if you talk Arizona, like you throw a dot in Arizona, there's a potential to shoot a giant. You know, and yeah. there might there might be twenty in one unit, and there might be one in the other, but there's a chance. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I would say twenty seven would probably be my my choice. Sure, because there is a chance that you can jump on a horse and get the way back out of nowhere. And into and some deep, crazy canyon. Some deep, crazy shit that probably no one's ever seen. Like, and yep. yeah, they would have. But like, that's the kind of experience. If I'm going to wait 20 years to draw that tag, like that's yep. what I want to walk away with. And you know, shoot a great bull, perfect. Like that's awesome. But I'd rather fail on that hunt. When I say fail, like I'd rather not punch that tag on that hunt than not punch my tag on a nine or ten where you're meant to be. You're you were told that you should be shooting that kind of ball in that unit. Yeah. It's a very different kind of, I don't yeah, know, it's a, it's a different way. And I know where, like most guys won't sort of know, you know, where we're coming from on this, this point level kind of thing, if they're just getting started or haven't looked into the American hunting, but um, you know, I that- think the biggest thing though, is to even just to like, as we're talking about it, call out that, that, it, again, if you become hopelessly addicted to the game, yeah. <laughs> then then great. Like then those applications are a lot of fun, and, oh, and love it. oh, it's, it's, it's it. unfortunate. 
that it's crazier and, and, and almost even kind of weird that 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 what if leading up to the results posting and even though they they kick us in the guts and tell us that it's not our turn again there's like some fun to that there's like <laughs> some value to that that week leading up and that what if what if it's my turn what if i beat the odds this yeah. time and there is so there is a lot of fun in the game of it and yet guys who just simply want to go hunting and they want to they want to experience the deer and the elk hunting and the western big game and everything like that it, it's probably not a great starting point right it's absolutely not a great starting point uh, in 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 some of those states to kind of dip your toe into the process we the, the best thing that we can do for guys and i tell this to casey all the time is we want to show guys results we want to put them in places that are going to address their goals and they're going to see success in drawing the permits within at least two to three years like you know and and sometimes even the first year that they apply we need to see some success and 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 show them the process now at the end of that that kind of the the jump ropes come full circle if we if now it's like kind of the eyes are open and we get it and we've played the game kind of full circle now then great we want to double down on the investment we want to start playing the game more aggressively then then so be it but but i i would i would caution your listeners that like getting too excited and and jumping in full tilt and putting in for everything i can tell you from personal experience guys who do that will probably give up within you know, three to five yeah. years and, and their goals will be, they're no closer to accomplishing their goal than they were to begin with. And all they ever did really was donate a bunch of money to these different state wildlife agencies and, and not, and they and they get now, not only are they, uh, did they not get their goal, but now they're like mad at the process. But yeah. if you apply for the right places and, and play the game in the, in the, in the States that, that are kind of set up and allow you to be successful to begin with. And so be it, if you get addicted by, and you want to put in for everything, God bless you. And you're, 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 you know, you're in the, in, in the same boat as me. We're random, um, We're random people. <laughs> but, but applying like that is not a good method for guys who simply want to go yeah. hunting. And that was exactly it's, what, you know, when I started, <laughs> exactly when I started, you know, helping the guys out, um, yeah, it was exactly the same. Well, I, I would say, like, it's just not worth applying to that because we really don't know what it's about yet. Um, and that's why I just had people, I had a few guys that sort of started the, you know, I did the big five, so to speak. And, you know, a few of them are still holding on because they have no intention of even going yet. But they've got, you know, if it happens down the track, they'll, they'll get there and they've got the means to be able to do it. So, um, but yeah, you know, it, 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 there's so many different levels to it. So, it, but I think, I think the biggest thing that I can say is, is just contact yourselves and, and get a start because every year that you don't start, it's getting harder. You know, look yeah, at the changes, absolutely. That, I, the changes yep. that we see every year. If, and I don't, I would never want it to be a point where you don't get to go and do it. Like, especially if you're a hunter in Australia or, you know, anywhere, if I'd hate for you just purely to not make a phone call or send an email to not allow you to go and do it in five or six mm. or seven or 10 years time, uh, just make, you know, even if it's just going and spending your 50 bucks a year at Wyoming, you know, yeah, absolutely. like just, just do that. 
just do that. dollars and thirty cents. Ninety-two and, bucks and, for us in Australia, but oh, 90, yeah, ninety-two <laughs> bucks in Australia. But it's still, you it know, is, under a hundred bucks. You, you're, you've got the snow, snowball rolling, and you're, and you're creating opportunities. And even if it's, even if, if the, it's like, listen, I'm in my mid twenties right now, or I'm in oh. my early thirties, and I got young kids, and I'm, and I don't have Perfect. two nickels to run together you know, at some point you are going to be, you know, financially ready and mm-hmm. the kids are a little older and mama's going to be able to handle them a little bit better. And if we start addressing the goal at that point, we're, we've, we're unfortunately way behind the curve, but if we can squeeze out the hundred bucks a year to, to make it, uh, you know, to, to kind of lay the groundwork so that the opportunity exists when we're ready, then it, you're, Again, hunting, you know, it again, maybe, maybe when you're 40, you, you're just like, no, I want to go. Right. Mm-hmm. And so again, now we're back to stroking a check, right? Man, yeah. we got to freaking write a, a big check to make this thing a reality. Or it's like investing in, in retirement, you know, the younger you get started, the less per year you have to invest in it mm-hmm. to get to your finish line versus if you, if you get started with your retirement planning, uh, and you're old, you got to drop a lot of money in per year to hit that goal that you need. So you can stop these hunting applications are kind of in a similar context. We, we for, for a lot less money per year, we can start making arrangements so that when the time is right, we're ready. And we're not just going because we decided to go, but now we, we get to opt into some really high quality experiences because of our investment over the years. Awesome. Very well put. Well, before we finish up, I just want to touch on, uh, I mentioned it before, um, Caribou is a big one for, for Aussie guys. Like they're, they're right on the hit list. Now that Northern countries stuff where you really do need to know, you have to have someone like yourself that knows what's going on because you can get shafted pretty quick up there because not so much, but intentionally, but weather logistics travel like it is massive um i don't expect you to jump right in this but just give us a rough idea of what that sort of entails maybe just a rough price like from a starting point to a um you know and just sort of give us an idea of that northern country and and how it works sure so uh i've got to pick up my boy craig here in about 10 minutes so we're gonna jump in my truck hopefully that won't be oh that's right well we'd be pretty I got to get, I better go to work too. So, <laughs> um, so uh, Alaska, as a general rule, we'll we'll stay focused on on caribou per, particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, the there is a lot of general caribou hunting that that is happening all across the state, and I would make the argument that a caribou hunt in a general area be it with a guide, be it with a, um, with a, 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 an air taxi that's just dropping you off for a DIY caribou hunting experience is very similar to what guys hear about, read about on an over-the-counter elk hunt in Colorado. You're going to see a lot of people. That's a big one that people don't expect, right? They want to be out in the bush by themselves and having that experience. And yet the areas that these taxis are dropping you off at and the areas that you're going and the herd is in, you know, especially if it works out. Mind you, I personally have a very hard time uh, even ethically setting a guy up 
for one of these drop camp style hunts because there's a lot of variables on a migrating herd of animals that have to come into play to have a dream experience where you're going to see the thousands of caribou nine out of ten guys who go you know do not see thousands they don't see hundreds and they have like one or two days where they see some caribou at best in there there's plenty of guys who don't see a single one and so and if you're looking for that experience it's almost back to that kind of diy mentality like we have to realize that what we're investing in is an alaskan experience Mm -hmm. and in doing so we're going to have a gun in our a gun and we're going to have a tag and it could work out but it but this you know particularly like that north slope right the north slope prudhoe bay all of that's like some of the highest density uh of of non-resident hunters coming into alaska to go do that style of of caribou hunting and the last two years that entire herd of caribou has not left the north beach and moved south until after the non-resident season is over so there is a lot of caribou and there's actually getting to be some very big caribou because for whatever reason they're not shifting south in normal time frames that they they have historically and guys are 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 spending a lot of money taking a lot of time to go up and 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 put this hunt together and yet they're coming back and they're very frustrated and and they're very upset with how things have gone simply because and, and it's because of the nature of the species that we're trying to hunt and how those guys are kind of having to go hunt is simply, it, it, there's so many variables involved in it. And so kind of the, the big question is then, then how do I hedge my bet, right? Yeah. If I'm going to go, how do I hedge my bet? And, and what I would default to is, is definitely the, the draw in Alaska, just like in the lower 48, there is a lot of, uh, there, there is a, a better management strategy and a better process. Hey, man, just losing you there, bud. Place areas in the last. Hey, man, just stop you that. choose to go with an outfitter and you want to go there, you're at least going to areas that have better managed uh, caribou hunting, a limited number of people hunting those caribou and, and really just, uh, an overall better experience. Now the odds of drawing, it's a lot like New Mexico. It's a, it's a, a random draw. There's no point system. And it's about a, uh, one in five chance of drawing oh, that caribou tag, but that's pretty you good. Know, if I'm going to spend my money, yeah, it's, it's not bad odds at all, but if I'm going to spend my money and time to go all the way up there, uh, right now, honestly, Craig, I, I really would encourage guys to look very hard at the draw process. Now, if the itch gets too bad and you just got to go, you know, there's there's definitely some places and, and some outfitters that or air taxis that we can help guys get set up with uh, that have above average success rates and, and good track records. But but again, it's 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 it very much is comparable to going on uh, a, you know, draw or private land caribou hunt versus an, or or elk hunt in Colorado versus an over-the-counter public land elk hunt in Colorado. It's, it's unfortunate that that's the reality, but that truly is 
is it. And I would caution guys of all species in North America, just again, back to like just the nature of it all, right? You have a lot of animals, they're moving across huge, vast areas Mm -hmm. of of Alaska. And to say that I'm going to go and I'm going to have this 10 day window and I'm going to, I'm going to drop down in the middle of nowhere and all my dreams are going to come true. It's, it's, it's affordable, right? I mean, for, for us dollars, you can find plenty of guys that for anywhere from 2,500 to $4,000 will set you up and they'll even have all the gear you need and all of that stuff. But we have to have the, the only thing comparable I can compare it to is the over the counter elk hunting in, in Colorado versus yep. the draw and, 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 and the, 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 the areas that are managed more exclusively for better caribou hunting. Well, what throws a massive spanner in the works for us in Alaska too is, which, which really I have, I do have a thing of obviously being able to like paying an outfitter and nothing against the outfitters because, you know, obviously it comes on a number of things, but paying an outfitter to go on an over the counter hunt, we have to have an outfitter in Alaska as an alien non-resident. We have to be as an alien. You've got to go. So we have to have an outfitter. So my argument is like, if you're going to pay an outfitter, try to be in the best area possible. And if that matter is going into the draw, it mightn't happen this year, but it might happen next year. It's a random draw. It's one in five. It's pretty damn good odds. And, um, and, and I'm telling you that DCA 27, that, 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 that caribou hunt DCA 27 in the Alaska range, I, I would argue, Craig, that is the best barren ground hunting in the world. So there like, you I, I mean, that we're talking, I, I, we drew a, a gentleman last year, went up there, uh, was up there, I think five days, four days and shot a 410 inch bull. Holy and the shit. truth of the matter is the only reason he killed a bull that big was because the outfitter held his bullets because I promise you, he saw plenty of bulls leading up to that one that he was begging the guy. That one's huge. Let me shoot it. Let me shoot that one. And the outfitter's like, no, no. Like just, you, you, you told me you wouldn't shoot one until it was, until I said, and, uh, and so they like, uh, uh, the fact is, I think you might know this guy. Do you know Leo? Did you meet Leo on your goat hunt? Oh, the, from from New Mexico. I think I did. I think he left or came in. Oh, he got me thinking now. I remember that name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Leo Borges. He uh, so he goes up there, and the outfitter's like, "Listen, I'm going to take you, um, and but you have to promise me that you won't." you won't shoot one until I tell you to shoot. And like day one, first trip out the gate, they're out there, they come around the corner and he's like, that's a giant, I want to kill it. He's like, no, no, you promised, you promised. <laughs> so they, so he like held off like four or five days. They saw like every time they would come around a corner, there'd be like another boy's like, what about, no, that one's huge, that one's bigger. And, and finally on like whatever it was, day four, day five, something like that, the, the, they come around the corner and they look for about 30 seconds in the glass. And, uh, and he's like, I don't care what you say. I'm killing that one. And the guy's like, yeah, we're killing this one. And it's 410 inch barren ground care, but it's unbelievable. Giant. So, so if you've got to go, I mean, I think that's a great call out that you have to go with a, an outfitter anyways in Alaska, you know, that the, the uh, then the, you might as well play the game Get put, put yourself in the, in the best pl- best place. Yeah, and you're going to go to what I would argue the best caribou hunting in the entire state, anyways. Yeah. Right. 
Well, man, I know we jumped all over the place today, and um, you know, I'd. I don't want to bore guys because obviously I can get all nutted out on this and, and jump in all the little rabbit warrens, but I think you've given the guys a really good overview of why you guys do what you do. Um, if guys got any questions, I'm going to put all Jordan and Casey's contact details in the show notes. Um, we'll put it all over social medias, but just go to the show notes and I beg everybody to contact the boys to to get set up now now the best thing we've got with the closures of traveling is it is cheap because you're not going to draw a hunt because we've already had this conversation we will just apply for hunts over the next probably the next 12 months we'll probably just go points but is a great excuse to get started and if things open up next year we'll uh jordan and casey will, will guide you through that process if you want to try and hunt next year but all I can say is get started now. Like get get hold of the boys. They'll put a plan together. They'll spend time with you. They will they will do what you guys need and want um, as far as your future goes. And and obviously very open and honest about you know setting realistic realistic expectations. And the guys going to point you in the right direction. So boys, thank you so much for your time. Um, greatly appreciated. And. Uh, I know you got to get the young fellow, mate. So you're in the car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, never, it's, uh, no, I, I, I really appreciate it too, Craig. Like this is a lot of fun. I'm excited to, to get a chance to, you know, you know, meet or and at least expose ourselves to, to your listeners and, and what you guys have going over there. I'll tell you, I don't think I've, I've met guys who hunt harder and push harder uh, than this, your average Aussie, right? Like when you guys come, you mean it. Oh, yeah. you're, you're killers. You it, it's a lot of fun. And guys who, you know, have that intensity are exactly the type of guys we love working with because we can really show you the right methods so that so that it, it, the, these dreams really do become a reality. Yeah. And we take all the mystery out of it so that there truly is a plan in place. And it's not just stroking a giant check and mm-hmm. coming over here. It's it's you know, we can do this so much better and still have the exact same quality and experience. Well, man, I did just to give guys and a very open book about this, but that Nevada hunt, so 18 days, uh, and I paid, I paid my buddy's way, you know, for apart from a flight, um, but sub five grand. And I spent 18 days in Nevada. That was higher car accommodation flights. Um, and I know we're not sure what's going to happen once flights and that open back up, but I'm sure they're going to be affordable. But so sub five grand, I mean, hunts like that even cost us that here in Australia. But, you know, if you guys can save that every two years, you know, there's, there's hunting to be had regularly. And I nearly plan my season here in Australia around my hunting season in America. Like that's how much I, I enjoy it. I commit to it. And, and it's how I've been able to get there and do it is because it's, it's it's front of mind as far as you know my planning and and uh and saving and stuff goes so um you know that it's it's very doable and and that's where i really wanted to put forward that it doesn't it doesn't take this massive check if you don't want to it can if you've got one it can help <laughs> if you've got a yeah check, right but yeah it can, yep. it can really help but if you don't have it it doesn't mean you're not going to shoot great animals um at, by any means it uh it just it just makes the planning a little bit different. Um, and I'd certainly, I'm certainly rather go over there 10 times than, than go over there once. That's, that's me personally. But if you want to just go, go once, write the check out, get it done, 
come over with some great stories, um, there's nothing better. So I can't agree more. Awesome, lads. We'll stay on the line, mate. I'll uh, we'll finish off with you, lads. And um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Good on you, man. We'll be talking. Thank you for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. If you would like any information from today's show, please don't hesitate to contact us on huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com or simply hit us up on any of our social media outlets on Instagram or Facebook. Be sure to join us next week for another awesome episode and we look forward to sharing another story from Hunting Camp Down Under. Bye for now.